Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on. Well, we're going to get into it today. Ephesians, we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. You know, these are crazy times we're living in right now. And one of the things I think that we need most is a fresh purpose for living. And it seems like through all that's going on with COVID and government and all the things that are happening, it's easy to, to, to internalize ourselves with all that's going on and forget that there is a great, great purpose that God has us on. That there are thousands and thousands of people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are many, many people who have never experienced the life-giving power of the voice and the, the purpose and the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. And, and I believe that as we go through this series for the next three weeks, that we're going to be reminded that life is ultimately not about us, that we're on a mission, that there's a purpose, and that God has a great, great plan for each of you to fulfill that purpose. My, yesterday was a haircutting day in our house. And we save about $200 by not going to the haircut. And if you don't like it, you can talk to my wife. So you, you want to pick a fight with my Italian wife, that's your issue. But um, my wife cut my hair, my daughter's hair, my, my, my son's hair. She's really good at and our dog's hair. And Via took three hours to cut her hair. And uh, so we're going to... Yeah, we're save money. Hallelujah. And while we were getting these haircuts, we turned on a movie that I had never seen in a long time called Groundhog's Day. But with Bill Murray. I don't know how many of you have seen this movie. It's been out for 30 years, so there's a spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen it, that's your issue. It's on Netflix, but um, it's got some, some moments, you know, so make sure it's, um, it's, uh, you, you have, you know, thought through if you want to watch it. But the whole premise of the movie is, is that this guy wakes up in this small town and he lives the same day over and over and over and over again. And it's the same day. And at first, he's shocked. And then he realizes that if I'm going to live the same day over and over again, I might as well enjoy it. And so he starts doing all sorts of crazy stuff, getting chased by the police. He tried driving his truck off a cliff. He ate every sweets he could, all the sweets he could order. And he started doing all sorts of crazy things. And, you know, he just, all, he just started kind of living for himself. And then he eventually came to a place when he was living for himself where he, he just got depressed. And he was like, I want to just, there's nothing left. And it came to a moment in the movie where it was pretty heavy. And Ezra was like, I don't know if I like this movie. And I'm like, just hang on. There's purpose here. And what it showed in the movie was, is that he lived the same day over and over and over. And he didn't have love and he didn't have purpose. And the point of the movie was, is that he came to a point in his life where he realized, if the only purpose I have is to live for myself, it will lead me nowhere. If all I ever live for is to build my career and to make money and to have things and to have materials, it will lead me nowhere. Ultimately, it will lead me to a place where I'm empty, I'm broken, and I'm in need of something bigger than myself. And eventually in the movie, he begins to realize that over time, he began to see that he needed, uh, he needed a purpose. And so at first, his purpose was to be with a girl. And then he realized that he can't just do things on the outside to look the part. There has to be internal change. And so he started helping homeless people and saving people and, you know, pulling, you know, giving people the Heimlich maneuver and saving them from dying from steak. And he was learning piano. He's kind of beginning to embrace the fullness of life. And the whole premise of the entire movie was, is that the moment the day stopped going over and over and over again is when he realized that life is bigger than just me. I have a purpose to help other people. The purpose of my life 
It's to help others. And in our context, our purpose, I wake up every single day with one purpose, to help people experience Jesus Christ spiritually and naturally. I want to help people. The moment we begin to want to help people, we get the attention off of ourselves and realize there is something supernatural about God using us to do something great for his kingdom. Now, this gifted series today, we're going to take three, uh, three, different, uh, three different weeks. The first week today, we're just going to walk in and talk a little bit about you. We'll talk a little bit about who you are, your wiring and your makeup. And some of you may have heard this before, and I would probably bet a lot of you have never really seen this taught on a Sunday in, 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 uh, in church to help you try to understand who you are and what you're made up of. We realize that in Ephesians chapter 2, I want to read in the scripture here today, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, we're going to read a couple of verses here to help you understand if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, how you got here in the first place, what God did in your life and what the process looks like for you to start a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if we look at these, uh, the Ephesians chapter two, you can open it in your Bibles or you can look on the screen. Let's read this together. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So we were dead because of our disobedience and our sin. You used to live in sin. Is Paul talking to a church? Just like the rest of the world, you're obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is, at, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our selfish, sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. God saved you by his grace when you believe, when you had faith in God, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done on the external thing, so none of us can boast about God. And so we see that he, every one of us here, me to every person in the room, whether you're a believer uh, in Christ today or you're not, every single one of us in this room started by being dead in their sin because of their refusal to say, okay, I recognize there's a God by creation. I recognize by everywhere I look, I can't deny God by just simply looking up in the sky and seeing the cosmos. I recognize there must be a designer that created all of this. Therefore, I have a choice. Am I going to live my life for him? The choice is ours. We all used to live this way. And then a day came where he was so rich in mercy that he revealed himself to us. He came to us. And based on that invitation, we responded to God's call. And we said, yes, God. And something happened in our lives. We were made new. We received life. Something happened on the inside of us. But what Paul does in this verse is he gives you that, that, that idea, the thought, and then he says, here's the conclusion, though, in verse 10. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, look at this, 
so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that I could go and live for myself. No, no, so that I could go and just kind of do my thing. No, so we can do the good things for others that he planned for us long ago, which means every single person in the room, God has planned something for you long before you were born. And we get to experience that when we begin to walk in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to recognize that you are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. This is a crazy thought. You are God's masterpiece. You were created in the very image of God. How you look on the outside is how God looks. You were created in the very image of God. Look what it says. Genesis chapter 127. God created human beings in his own image. You were created to look like God. Everybody get your phone out real quick. Get your phone out. Come on, open up your selfie on your, on your, your, your camera app. If you don't know how to do that, ask someone who's younger than you. And look at yourself and say, oh, okay, that big nose I got, yeah, that God looks like that. So stop making fun of it. Just kidding. No one makes fun of my nose, just my daughter. <laughs> oh, man, those eyes, the strands in my eyes and the wrinkles in my face, we all look like God. What a crazy thought to think that how we look on the outside, we were made in God's image. See, but not only that reality, not only that thing, we also have to recognize that, we, that, that God is a three person. It's called the Trinity. Look at this says. For then God said, let us, us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is called the three-part character of God. He is one person, and these are the essence or the different expressions of God, that God has three persons. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And did you know that your insides are just like God too? You were modeled after God. That means your spirit, your soul, and your body were fashioned after him, wired after him, divinely wired. You know, genetics are pretty crazy. Ezra, are you here? Come up stage. Come on, jump on the stage, buddy. Come on, quick. Come on. Come on, you look at this picture here, and you see this is my father. We are very, look at our noses. <laughs> Obviously, I'm insecure about my nose, Okay. Don't we look so much alike? Aren't genetics amazing? You look at the picture of my daughter. I mean, she looked, look at her nose. I mean, there we go. I'm sorry, man. She's also got my legs. Hello. Just kidding. My wife tells me that. We look so much alike. But now Ezra, Ezra and I look nothing alike. But if you'd like to meet a little mini me, talk to Ezra for five seconds. We both have ADHD. We both are passionate and argumentative. We both don't like being told what to do. We both like to eat sugar. We like to play video games now and then. We both like to be independent, and we both love Jesus. We love to worship. We have a sweet part of our heart that just weeps and cries when we know we've made a mistake and the Holy Spirit convicts us. We just begin to sense, oh, God, he's got a sensitive, sensitive spirit, a sensitive soul, and so do I. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> Aren't genetics amazing that God created us in that way? And at the inside of us, Brea looks like me. I look like my dad, but on the inside, I look like my son looks like me. I look like him. Isn't it a crazy thought that your mind is made in the image of God? That your, that your, that your uh, emotions are made in the image of God? 
that your spirit is made in the image of God, that your, your heart is made in the image of God, even in your emotion, emotional disarray, even when you, your tendency is to get your heart hurt, even when you, your spirit's being overwhelmed like it does, he knows it, he understands it. Why? Because he created it, it's just like his. See, just like God, you and I are triparts. We see this, Paul identifies this very clearly. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. He identifies three parts and in the same way that God has three parts, we have three parts, our body, our soul, and our spirit. And we recognize that these three parts are the makeup of who we are. And my heart today would be for you to understand how to get your life in the proper order so that you can begin to be used for God's purposes to make a difference in this world that is not just all about you. It's about the greater purpose of, yes, you get a fulfillment in it. And yes, there's satisfaction in it. And yes, there's great joy in it. But guess what? We are here on the planet to help other people know about Jesus Christ. We're here to serve the disenfranchised and help those who are broken. Our life is bigger than ourselves. In order for us to understand this, we have to get our lives in the right order. We recognize that, firstly, we understand that obviously our body it's in 1 Corinthians, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, look at this, glorify God in your body. This means that what you do with your body physically on the outside is an expression of what's actually going on on the inside. So what you do in secret by yourself with your body is an expression of how you see God or how you see yourself or the expressions of your belief or the expressions of your trauma or your emotional baggage or drama, drama that you're damaged rather that you're facing the expressions of your physical realm, the things you do with your life, how you spend your life is an expression of what's going on on the inside. We see here this famous scripture, I don't have it on the screen, Romans 12, 1. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Here, Paul says the way to worship him is to let your life, let your body be an expression of the Spirit leading you. So we see also we have our soul. The idea of our soul here in 1 Corinthians 2.14, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. This word natural is the word psychokos, sukokos. And this word sukokos in the Greek is the word, it means carnal, fleshly. The, the actual word is soulish. But a soulish man or woman does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. The soulish man, the person led by the soul, cannot and does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So if you are led by your soul, you are not able to understand the things written in Scripture. You struggle to wrap your brain around and your heart around and your life around the realities of what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. It's hard for these individuals to be led. Now, what is our, our soul made up of? Well, our soul is made up of our mind. This is where a battle is. We know this. 1 Peter 1.13 says, prepare your minds for action. There's a battle there. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive, look at this, how many thoughts? Every thought to make that thought obedient to Christ. Yes. Our mind is our soul 
And if we're not careful, we will be led by our thinking, our way of thinking, our understanding, and our mind left to its own will believe anything. And that's why our minds cannot be in charge. They must be submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Can't allow I think and I think and I think be the determining factor of how you live your life. There's only one way to determine how you live your life, and it's according to the only truth, God's written word of God. We see that also our soul is our emotions, and there's a battle for our emotions. God gave these emotions to us. Jesus had them and has them. Look at this amazing scripture in Matthew 26. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, if I said that right, and he's, he's about to die. He said, look at this, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That word sorrow there, or troubled, is the same Greek word used to define the word depression. He uses the same word there to define the idea that you're very heavy with grief. There's doubt, unsure which way to go, experiencing sadness and affliction. Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, in his, in his emotions experience this sense of what depression might feel like. You say, oh, what's wrong with me? Well, Jesus felt the same thing you did. Also, our emotions can really run our lives, and if you're not careful, you have to have control of them. Often our emotions can be an indicator that something is wrong. You're one of two parties. There's your emotions. You either, uh, you're wired to either mute your emotions or amplify your emotions. That when you're experiencing trauma in your soul, you, your emotions and your, your, your expression of emotions, either you will not show any emotions, you'll recluse yourself, you'll isolate, you'll pull back. I'm not letting my emotions out, which is an indicator that your soul is in charge. Or you will amplify them and you're, wow, oh my gosh, the wave is so high and the world is coming to an end and I can't believe my job is about to go. And I go, oh my gosh, and you're amplifying everything, which shows a great sign that your soul is in charge. You see that all of us have different emotions, and if you continue to respond by your emotions in that way, over time, your emotions will get damaged, and you won't know how to respond to life. And in your marriage relationship especially, it will cause a lot of trauma. Divorces happen over three things, money, sex, and communication. If you're not communicating, you ain't gonna have sex. If you're not communicating, your money's gonna be a big problem. And so we have to be able to recognize that only by the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe professional counseling, maybe being in the Christian community, maybe being in a place where you get into God's word, can there be restoration for you? There can be a renewal of your mind and your heart and your soul and your emotions. Our soul is also our will. And there's a big battle for your will, to serve your will over God's will. Genesis 2.16, you got to recognize something, and I say this uh, 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 clearly as ever. God gave us a free will. You have a decision. The Lord God commanded the man, you're free. Eat from any tree in the garden. I suggest you don't eat that tree because you'll die if you do, but it's up to you. Each of us has this free will, and we have the choice to obey or not to obey, and this part of our soul must be sanctified to come to a place where we say, not my will, but yours be done. We must choose to follow God's will. I want to just drop this scripture on you, which is a little bit challenging in Matthew chapter 7, 22. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven just because you say a prayer and just because you go to church. It says only the ones 
who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So my will, my, my, the will of the, the soul part of me has to be sanctified to lay down my own desires. I don't want to do that, but I know that that's what God's asking me to do, to stop that, to cut that out, to not be in that relationship, to not engage in this way, to not do those things. He's speaking to me. He's convicting me. And so today, as you hear the Lord's voice, do not harden your heart. Respond to the voice of the Lord. Allow God to begin to change you because just saying, Lord, Lord, God is my Savior will not get you anywhere unless you learn to allow him to sanctify your will and do his will. Here's the third one, is the spirit. The spirit, the spiritual part of man. This is from God and starts from the very beginning when we are conceived. Zechariah chapter 12, one says, the message is from the Lord who stretched out the heavens, who laid the foundation of the earth, and he formed the human spirit. Also, in Psalms 104, but if you turn away from them, uh, they panic. When you take away their breath, which is the word spirit, they die, turn against the dust. When you give them your breath, spirit, life is created. Again, in the New Testament, James 2.26, just as the body is dead without the breath, pneuma, it means spirit. So also faith is dead without works. And so our spirit is created and made new, and we can know very clearly that there is a difference between the, the spirit of our man or our, our person and the soul of our person, because in Hebrews chapter 4.12, the author of Hebrews identifies that God's word cuts and divides between the spiritual man and the natural man, the spiritual man and the soulish man in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-double-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So when you take the soul and you take the spirit and you bring them into one, that makes the makeup of our hearts. That's what creates our heart. That creates the whole person of who we are, our spirit man or woman or the soul man or woman. And our heart is made up of that reality. And what happens is, is when the word of God comes, it separates between, oh, this is what it means to be spirit-led, and this is what it means to be you-led, and there must be a division between the two so I can judge your thoughts and intentions. You're actually going your way, not God's way, and the word of God cuts deep between us in that way. This means that there are natural emotions, thoughts, and will, and there are spiritual emotions, thoughts, and will. They're two different kinds. And all people have a spirit, unbelievers and unbelie- unbelievers and believers. All of them have a spirit. Here's the difference. When you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he makes your spirit new. Remember it said that you were dead? Well, Ryan, what happened to me when I went from death to life? He made your spirit new. He transformed your spirit now. The soul man is regenerated and sanctified over time. But what he did was, is he activated something in you where now you're no longer taking direction from your natural person, you're taking direction from the Spirit of God. And see, it's important to understand this today. Because you were made new. And when your spirit is made new, this is where you connect with God. Look what it says in, in, uh, in John chapter 4, 24. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit. And so it's really important you understand this. And I want you to to follow along with me here for a moment. That we cannot understand God with just our minds. 
You cannot understand God with just your emotions. Man, church wasn't very good today because I didn't feel it. Well, that's not your spirit talking. That's your soul. We cannot experience God through the external things that we do. That all starts in our spirit man or spirit woman. Look what it says in Matthew 7. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you, which means this, they got it intellectually, but they never realized that I need to engage my spirit man. I need to allow God to transform my spirit man and be led by the spirit every single day. Okay, so here's the big idea. It is from our spirit that we are meant to lead our lives. And for you to be able to understand your giftings and what your purpose is, there must be godly order. You must get your three-part person in the right order. And if you do not get that in the right order, what happens is you're led by your soul, and guess what? You will break down. Look at this, this, this example here for a moment. This is how it looks. The Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit. And our spirit says to our soul, no, I will hope in the Lord. No, I won't think that way. No, I'm not going to allow my natural emotions to overcome what God says in his word. The Holy Spirit informs your spirit and your spirit takes control of your soul. And guess what happens? Your soul, your emotions, your will is expressed in your body. What happens is, is that we need to get the spirit man in front, the soul man in the center and the body in back so that the spiritual man and woman that you are is first. But what happens often is that we are led by our soul. Many people today live as followers of Jesus Christ and think that this is what life's all about, living according to my soul. What happens in this is that we begin to see a breakdown. We begin to see that our external human desires are being led out through our body. We begin to see that our emotions are leading us. And for any reason, your spirit is not in the first place. What happens is your soul begins to break down. What happens is it's this thing in all of us. It's this part of our soul. This inner part of our soul begins to take over. And we begin to run our lives by our thinking or our emotions or our own will. And the soul is not designed to do that. And so that's why sometimes, listen, the problem is not actually the problem. I would put money on it. But there's many people in the room today have said, man, I just can't put my finger on it, but something's not right. There's many men in here today who feel this internal frustration. Why am I so frustrated? I got a good job. I got a good marriage. Life's fine. But there's something inside of me that is so frustrated and I don't know what it is. Something is off. I can't put my finger on it. So I feel like I don't know my purpose or why I'm here. So what I do is I work hard. I spend more money. I make more money. I try a new relationship. I try a new career. I try a new church. I do more. I perform more. I throw myself into my career. I begin to build a life on my soul. Or I do the opposite. I internalize. I draw away from people. I get hurt easily. I won't forgive easily. I won't move forward easily. I don't trust I won't trust. I throw myself into my parenting or my marriage. I stay internalized. I stay isolated. I stay alone. And what happens is, is that eventually you'll come to a place where you'll realize that the issue you're dealing with in your life is a soul issue. It's your emotions and your will and your mind were not designed to be in control of your life. 
And until we can get ourselves in the right order, you will never be able to fully understand the spiritual giftings that God has for you. Because as a spirit-led person, guess what? As a spirit-led person, my focus is not on me. It's on God and all the people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't say, take care of yourself and make you happy and all things are good, your emotions are And then you can love God and then maybe there's time to help people. No. When you begin to get your spirit man in charge and you begin to align yourself to the word of God and you begin to allow your say yes to what God's saying to you. When he tells you to cut the relationship, cut the relationship. When he tells you to cut off that bad habit, cut off that bad habit. When he begins to talk to you about that attitude or that way you've been thinking or that hurt that you've been holding on to for so long, the Holy Spirit says today, just let go. What happens is I begin to see my life be renewed and fruit begins to come from my life and all of a sudden my focus is no longer on just myself and he begins to change me and transform me and make me new and guess what happens? I begin to know why I was put on this planet in the first place. To end our time together, I want to read this last verse. It's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 19. It says this. I ask... The God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally, your eyes, look at this, focused and clear. Many of us in our walk with God are not focused and clear. You say, gosh, I know God, I understand God, I intellectually get God, but I just don't really feel like it's really clear. I just feel like I just do the church thing, whatever, and I'm good. But no, he wants to focus your attention to recognize that, there, that God wants us to begin to yield our lives to him. And as we do, I begin to experience the life that God intended Look what he says. He wants this to happen. Your eyes focused and clear. Why? So that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. So that you can grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trusted him. Endless energy, boundless strength. Align ourselves. All right, Holy Spirit. I don't want to be in charge anymore. This is making me tired and discouraged and frustrated. And I'm angry. I have unforgiveness in my heart. I got bitterness. I'm just dry. I just feel disconnected. I feel alone. Man, I just feel like I'm like crazy right now. There's an answer for you, and his name is Jesus. And if you yield your life to Christ today, and you yield your life to his Holy Spirit today, you'll begin to see fruits abounding in your life. You'll no longer feel the emptiness and the discouragement and the frustration, and you'll begin to know once again, wow, this is why I was put on this planet. Just stand with me today as I pray for you. every eye closed in this place, I want to pray. I can't see anybody in the room, so. I want you to hear my heart today. I know that sometimes our emotions, our will, and our mind are in such disarray that we just feel so out of control. I know what it feels like to feel like there's no answers. You're here today and you say, Ryan, with every eye closed, man, I just, this relates to me. I just feel like I need you to pray for me today. I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And it's for you. I want to know who I'm praying for today. Maybe you're not a Christian. You say, I want to know Jesus. Or you want to rededicate your life and be spirit-led again. Or you want to yield your life to Christ. Come on, if that's you today, it's an act of faith is what it is. It's like saying, you know what? I'm going to make an act of faith right here on this Sunday that I'm going to serve the Lord. 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna begin to pursue him and experience his relationship with him and I'm gonna do all the things that I need to do to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is very simple. You just get to be have faith in him and he begins to change you. Come on, with every eye closed, you're in the places, that's me. I'd like that. Just come on, toss your hand in the air real quick. I'm not gonna call you forward. I just want to pray for you today. You're in the room, you say that's me. I want to, I want to make a fresh commitment to the Lord today. I want to make a fresh commitment to Jesus. Come on, amen. Come on, anybody else today? Amen. Come on, let's just pray for these folks here. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you that your life is better than our life, God. Your way is better than our way. You've got a plan for every person in this room, God. And as we go through this idea of who we are, how to become who you called us to be, Lord, I pray that you would continue to pour out your grace. You love us so much, God. You're so rich in mercy that you want a personal relationship with every single person in the room. Lord, we just end today by saying, Lord, we just get out of the way and we yield to you today. We say, Jesus, yes. Come on, would you say that with me today? Come on, on the count of three, let's say yes. One, two, three. Yes. Yes, God. We submit our hearts and minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.